Welcome to the 1% Podcast. My name is Avi Wiswer, social media influencer and motivational speaker. Every week you hear an inspiring message or hear from a person that is on their journey to success. With each episode, I hope that you could take something valuable with you and become 1% better in your life. Thank you for stopping by and let the growth begin. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 1% Podcast. I'm here with Justin Rivers. Justin, thank you for coming out today. I appreciate course, you taking, taking time out your day to, you know, just get us to know a little bit more about you and your journey. And I'm actually very intrigued by your journey because I looked you up on LinkedIn the other day and I found some information that was, to me, was interesting. You triple major in college. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> that is <laughs> something that personally I've never heard of. And it's the reason why I was interested is because of the workload that you probably had to do or have to do. So um, I don't know if you graduated yet, but. Yeah, I gra- just graduated in June after taking like my gap year last year. Was okay. able to complete all three majors, was able to play football all four years. So it's definitely a lot as far as like workload goes. What, what led you to major in three, three different subjects? Well, I figured going into college, like I always needed like my practical major to make sure that like my mother stayed off my back. So that's where I got like econ. Then having gone abroad in high school, I realized I was like, if I don't use French, I'm going to lose it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to double major. Then when it came time to like pick, I realized that the only other subject I was really filling my schedule with was history. And at the time, you only need like nine courses to like complete the major. I had already taken like four. So I figured what's the harm just adding this to. Okay. What, what was the hardest thing about being abroad, studying abroad? Well, I actually studied abroad twice. I guess the first time studying abroad, what was actually hard about it was sort of like the juxtaposition between sort of like my life at that point and then being abroad. Because at that point, I'd gone to boarding school for like five years. So mm-hmm. I was used to living on a campus, living with my friends, all that. And that first year when I was abroad, I also didn't have football. So I was just doing track full time and some crossfitting. But I actually was like a normal teenager for the first time. Like got to commute to school. Like my girl, for example, like she didn't go to the same school as me, like wasn't even living on the same campus. So like it was all a bunch of new things for me. Damn, that 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 sounds rough because obviously, you know, living in the U.S., it's you know, you have a schedule or you're there's things that you're probably doing throughout the day. Mm-hmm. That's a day to day basis. And being in a whole different country, you know, you have to keep up with the language, make sure that you're learning the area and trying to be able to stay solid in an area that's not really comfortable yeah foreign for you i would say yeah and i just think that that's extremely interesting because obviously we grow in uncomfortable situations right where we're placing a situation that we're not used to now we have to be able to adapt and adapt to the lifestyle that they may live and kind of adapt to a lifestyle that we now need to live and i just thought that was interesting and i didn't know that, you know, obviously I've seen you in the gym a couple of times. I didn't see, know that you, you know, triple majored. And to me, I don't know. It's just, I commend you for that because I would not be able to do it. Um, well, like you were saying, like life is a little bit regimented for me at that point, having been in boarding school that long, I was so used to having like my day almost like planned out for me. Cause like when you do that in middle school, they actually plan out your entire day. Even your study halls are planned out for you. Like you have to go to a specific room 
there's like a proctor or a teacher there to make sure that you're like doing work or whatnot. So then I actually had to sort of like fend for myself a little bit. And like you were saying, adding on all on top of that, the actual sort of like language language part too. And actually having to like make sure that I was getting along, could survive in France. So it was definitely wild, definitely putting myself in an uncomfortable situation, definitely breaking away from my norm. You were in boarding school for middle school and high school or just middle school? Middle school and high school. How I've, I've never, uh, I've known some people that went to boarding school. Was it, how was that for you? Was it obviously, you know, you structured and throughout the day, but was it, was there any times that, you know, you might've felt a little discouraged because of the regiment that they had you on? Personally, I loved going to boarding school, especially like in middle school too. Cause like I had gone to public schools in like Brooklyn growing up and I never really clicked with like too many people. Cause like, while I, I lived around, lived around like Junction, Flatbush, I went to school about in Park Slope, Carroll Gardens. So it was like, there was that difference already. Mm-hmm. Now on top of that, I was able to, I wasn't really clicking with too many people as far as like genuine friends. And then once I go to boarding school, you realize, oh, this is crazy. Cause like, I don't have, like my, my sibling's 15 years older than me. So it's not like I'm super close with him, mm-hmm. but I'm living with all my friends now going to boarding school. Like they're just down the hall. Like if we want to go hoop or go to the gym or whatnot, it's, it's already there. If you want to go on like a trip to like the mall, go like, go to town, go get a bite to eat. It just opened up a lot more avenues for me to feel as if I was connected to people, build relationships, have friends. So for me, where it was like before you would imagine like people talking about boarding school, they thought like you did something, like you got in trouble, like it's a punishment. For me, I was like, that was a blessing being able to go to boarding school. Right. I would, I would argue that, you know, being in that environment, it would obviously teach you discipline, you know, um, and creating good habits and creating healthier habits. So you can now put yourself in a better position later on in life. And I think that that's why some people may go to the military, you know, because maybe out of high school, they didn't really have discipline or they weren't taught discipline. And now they're doing it for disciplinary actions. So going there affected you obviously in a positive way, because now you're able to schedule out your day. And now you're able to kind of be ahead of the curb for a lot of other people. And I think that with that being said, I, and it's crazy that, you know, last episode I talked about discipline, but just seeing it and, you know, going through it, is able to sometimes overcome the motivation because sometimes, you know, with discipline, it can propel you to do something that you may not want to do. I know obviously there's probably been days where you didn't really want to go to the gym or maybe not have one to go to school or work and discipline kind of, kind of took over that motivation because, you know, motivation sometimes could be a feeling that we feel in the moment and over time can fleet. There was something else that I saw on there that you were a communication intern. Was that out of the blue with you, with those three majors? Was that something that, you know, was planned or did it just kind of happen spontaneously? Actually, it kind of happened spontaneously a little bit because my freshman year, so a lot of people on like football team will end up going into like finance. So like usually like your senior will grab like you and sort of like get you sort of like in that sort of like pipeline as far as like getting ready to go into like finance. Then when COVID hit, I decided to take my gap year. That was the time where I sort of like transitioned away from the path of being like a finance bro towards like doing something that I really love. It's like sports, trying to get into there. And by that, and then I started networking 
and connected with people and was able to get this internship with the New York Liberty. And that was dope. But as far as like communications, like PR goes, it didn't really link perfectly with any one of my majors like at all. To be honest, right now, the only major that's kind of applicable is like French because we just, because we signed like a French player. So it's like, Mm -hmm. she has an avenue to be able to talk French, speak French, be comfortable. But a lot of it sort of like had nothing to do with my majors, but my majors taught me how to like think critically, be able to work and things of that nature. Sort of like have that discipline. That's interesting. I also saw that, you know, you like being a part of, you know, a community and you like being involved in things that are bigger than yourself. With working with the New York Liberty, was that community, did that, you know, make you feel like you were a part of the whole organization? And was there anything that they may have taught you about, you know, business in, 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 uh, business in result to working with them? Oh, absolutely. So being there, so they gave me an avenue at post-college as far as like growing up in a boarding school, in a community, on a sports team, that shared a little community. So it gave me an opportunity to stay within that. And so while I'm there, I'm not only am I connected to the team, but being like communications and PR is like the perfect avenue where you can interact with the entire organization, both like business ops and like basketball ops. And I love being in a WNBA team because it's just a much more smaller environment. So you can interact and touch multiple places, like talk to multiple people and interact in that manner. Was the networking that you were working with Liberty, did it connect in other areas of your life that, you know, obviously the opportunity you took, was there any other networking opportunities that came in result of that? Oh, absolutely. So working with the Liberty, I was able to connect with their GM and having been someone who had gotten advice from people, someone who had gone to law school, he suggested to me that if I wanted to be in his shoes one day, one of the things that I could do is go to law school because most people end up being like a GM or working in like a front office, whether it's a WNBA team or an NBA team, they most commonly have a law degree or they're like a former player. Okay. And I'm suddenly, am not about to grow like six, eight, 10 inches <laughs> and play in the league. So law school is where it's at. Like hell I played football just so I can stay close to the ground because I'm vertically challenged. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, with that being said, I, I want to ask because I know some people that, you know, watch basketball kind of downplay the WNBA a little bit from being at the games. Was there anything that I think personally that we need to start giving respect to the WNBA? What was the intensity like at those games, you know, within the players and just seeing the game overall? Was there anything that you might have noticed or kind of seen in the games that, you know, people need to like start putting respect on the WNBA? Oh, absolutely. So like sitting there and watch like a WNBA game, one of the things I always look at and realize is the fact that, and people need to realize this too, the WNBA is like 25, 26 seasons in, 26 years old, whereas like the NBA is celebrating their 75th season. Mm-hmm. So there's reasons why there aren't necessarily like directly like equal at this point in time, just because like the NBA had like a 50 year head start. Then when you're watching the game specifically and watching players play, for me, I liken it to sort of like the WNBA reminds me almost of like the NBA in like the early 2000s, 90s, mm-hmm. where if you had like a dominant big, that could propel your team to the playoffs and far along the playoffs because 
you know, it's rare that you're going to find like a woman that's playing that hoops and has that, like that skill. Hell, you don't even need to have a skill. If you're like six, eight, six, ten, then that's just dominant. You can just dominate in that league. Then you'd also notice how, whereas they say the NBA can, or basketball in general is a game of runs. That's mm-hmm. very applicable with the WNBA. Like you can see wild swings in games. Whereas like usually in like the NBA, if you're up like 20, you're like, okay, they're going to coast, like hold that lead, finish off this game. Whereas like, in the WNBA, the pace is faster. You're going to see a lot more swings as far as like 10-0 runs or like 15-0 runs, things of that nature. Where do you envision the WNBA in, in like five to 10 years? With like the increase in capital that they're getting, I can see them expanding. And then I feel like they need to expand in part because they need like to have a larger player pool, larger roster sizes, because you'll see first round picks not making a roster. Mm. You'll see veterans not necessarily making a roster just because it's so selective as far as like, you only have like 15 people roster, 12 teams at, the, at this point in time that you're really fighting for those spots. Mm-hmm. So I definitely see them expanding. And I mm-hmm. also see while they expand, getting more coverage. So a better TV deal. You, you also will see like salaries start to increase. as sort of like the natural evolution of like a sports league. Cause like you'll see and try to compare to say like the NBA or like the NFL, MLB, and NHL like they've had like decades upon like decades some centuries to like build that up right and now you're going to have that with like the WNBA going into the future having that capital investment by not just outside investors but also league own like team owners who also see like there's promise in this league okay that's because I, I know that they don't really get paid as much as you know others and you could pay an entire WNBA roster with the NBA min- like back end contract of one to two NBA players, the 14th or 15th man on a roster. Yeah. Cause you see at least w- within the NBA free-, free agency so far, people that really aren't really producing are just getting 50, 60 million dollar yep. contracts. And it's like, you didn't earn that, you know, um, in NBA standards, I-, I feel obviously, you know, they're there for a reason, but, in NBA standards, and we're talking about stats and producing, some people are getting paid close to 100, 100 mil, and they haven't even really proved themselves. Um, I, I think an example of that is Jalen Brunson, that the Knicks just signed. Obviously, I, he, has an, he had an improving year, but for him to get paid $100 million, close to a max deal on one year of just producing, he can flop the next four, four or five years that they've signed him just because you know, they paid him this much money. And now sometimes when you pay a, pay a person a lot of money, now that, you know, their production may stop or they may not really be as motivated as, as they once were. And I think that's a problem with paying so high of players that really haven't shown much. And I know with WNBA, a lot of those, you know, the best players should be getting paid close to damn near, if not the same amount that the NBA players make because, you know, Sabrina, I know from the New York Liberty, I, I saw her the other day just dropped a triple double. Like filthy. That's it's un it's un to some people it's unheard of, but you know, to the common viewer and the common watcher, we've known that she's been doing that. You know, she's been obviously at the top of her game. And mm-hmm. you know, you even see Candace Parker and you know, um uh Brittany Grinder's not in the, in the league right now, but 
um, some of the other players like Skylar Diggins, you know, those players should be getting paid at a high level because of what they've done for the league and what they continue to do for the league. I want to ask you with the passion in sports and now, and you've worked in the workplace, do you now want to look for future positions, maybe in basketball or what, what are you going to look for in your next endeavor with the workplace and sports? Would it want to be back in the WNBA or would it want to be in the NBA? Having worked in the WNBA almost like increased my love for the female game. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to, I feel like if you're going to take on something, like for me trying to dive into like and working in the WNBA, you have to dive in 100%. Right. So like, whereas like before I couldn't necessarily name multiple rosters, like players like all the way down, like I could on like an NBA roster. Now I can really do, like, now I can really do that. Now I can start listing off stats, things of that nature, just really diving in. But looking towards like the future, I'm looking towards going to law school so then I can learn most most of us I can study sports law mm-hmm. so then I can transition back into basketball but not necessarily on the business op side which is where technically PR and communications is okay. but in the basketball op side so then I can start working in say like a front office position mm-hmm. and start getting towards my goal as far as like working the front office being a GM eventually eventually being like a president of president of operations uh, that sounds like a, a lot of responsibilities I wouldn't even want to know Obviously, you've probably seen a little bit of that lifestyle. Could you explain a little bit of, you know, learning from the GM, what their day-to-day may look like? Their day-to-day is wild. So he's, it's always hectic, because especially in the WNBA, because you have a lot more as far as, like, not necessarily fully guaranteed sort of, like, contracts or whatnot. So you have people sort of, like, coming in, coming out. So, like, you'll have, like, different sort of, like, hardship contracts You'll sign people for like and to through the end of the season, they're constantly getting like waived. There's a lot of player movement through well throughout the season. Whereas like in the NBA, mainly you'll see like spurts of like the occasional trade throughout the season. And then like you'll see a nice uptick during like the trade deadline. Right. And then you'll see an uptick around like draft time and off season. The NBA is happening almost constantly, player movement throughout the season. And you only ever really settle in on a roster, perhaps towards like the back half of the season after like the all-star break. So like from him, like you always see he's on the phone sort of like plotting, sort of like navigating the salary cap, how many times like you can sign someone to a hardship contract and sort of like finesse, oh, do I need to go like wave or like go like this one player in order to like make sure that we can sign this player that we genuinely need. Mm -hmm. And you're constantly trying to figure out your roster because like whereas like you come into the season, have like a great lineup maybe you'll see okay there's still like this hole that we didn't necessarily see in the offseason that we need to fit that we need to fix now just seeing how like these players play with each other damn that sounds like a sounds pretty rough honestly just- which is why you generally have like a lot of people in like that front office like you'll have like a salary cap guy you're just always tracking out like salary cap well into the future also because mm-hmm. like you need to know when you're going to offer like a contract how long sort of like the terms of it how long it's going to last how is that going to affect, say, like your salary cap space a couple of years from now? If you want to, say, be able to go sign like a premier free agent, have that salary cap space, you have to plan that out years in advance to make sure you have that like opportunity to have that space in order to like to sign somebody. What about what about um, being a GM? You know, excites you or owning uh, a team? What what about that? You know, is something that you want to continue on to do? What? Why would you say that that is what you would want to do? What was wild about that is that what really instilled that passion and like desire in me was 
growing up playing 2K, to be honest. Because, <laughs> like, I was never the guy to, like, always want to, like, I'd bust somebody's ass, like, playing them and, like, just, like, 1v1. But, like, growing up being, like, an only child or not, so I'm always by myself for the most part. The game that I played the most was, like, my league, where I got to be, like, the GM. And, like, I'll see moves on, like, television, and I'm just like, I can build this team better. Or, like, right. I'd, I'd rather have seen, like, this trade go instead and then go and simulate that and see where whether or not it works out. So, like, I would just sit and do that for hours and hours and hours and just loved it. And so think about being able to do that in real life. I was like, that would be a dream come true. Yeah, I know with that 2K, I would put the forced trades on. So I would be able to get LeBron and <laughs> <laughs> all, yeah, all the other players on my team. But that's actually um, that's actually interesting because I have not came across somebody that, you know, would want to actively do that. And to just hear, you know, the passion, I can I could just hear the passion that you have for it. Literally just sitting there. And to most people, that would be boring. You know, most people would just be like, all right, well, I'm just going to play either, you know, do this or do that. But you sat there and, you know, analyzed the trades and how could you make this team better? How can you plug different pieces in? And I think the hardest thing about that is you have to see the team, see the bigger picture before you even sign those players or create the team. You got to be able to, all right, this is how this player is going to work. This is how that player is going to work. And this is how it's going to come together. And exactly. you've seen the, you know, the, the brilliant owners or GMs, you know, obviously the, I, I could think of the Chicago Bulls, you know, going out and getting Dennis Rodman, you know, that that was going to be the missing link. Somebody that coming out of college was like, oh, he's a little iffy. We didn't know what he was going to be able to do. And just being there and realizing, you know, this is the missing piece. All we need from this is you need to rebound, play defense and help out. Mike and Pip, that's really, that's really all he, you know, was there for, but that people don't realize that that was the biggest thing for them in order to be able to be successful was that one missing thing, you know, oh, and, they didn't mess with him at all either from oh, like his days, with the Pistons. And he also had gotten to like controversy with the Spurs before like the Bulls pulled him in, but they knew the bigger picture. Yeah. Cause like when the GM's role, for example, like talking about it is knowing like the huge picture. Cause they're not just in charge of sort of like, signing players and making sure like say like these players can like mesh together mm -hmm. but they're also in charge of saying like hiring a coach making sure that coach aligns with say like your star player or like their playing style right or and molds well with the rest of the team make sure you're hiring like a training staff a team doctor like their role as far as like building out an organization or building out a basketball operations department spans far outside just like the basketball on the court mm -hmm. it's really making sure that it's pretty much like relationships for the most part and being right. able to like communicate and build relationships with people and make sure that those people can communicate with each other and just navigating that. I think that's, I think the key factor in just building relationships goes a long way in just life. You know what I mean? Because you never know sometimes who you could be talking to, you know, you can go to the gym or, you know, just walk and you see somebody that may have not the nicest clothes and just all of a sudden, that Adam person, Sandler. yeah, <laughs> that's a good example. That's a great example. But you never know who they could be, you know, um, even if they're not the A-list or B-list celebrities, those people, you know, can change your life. And I had a conversation the other day about you're always a couple of decisions, like a string effect. You're always a couple people away from meeting that person that you really not need. But in order to get to that breakthrough that you're looking for, you're always a couple of people away. And 
treating everybody with kindness and treating everybody with the same respect that you would want for yourself, giving that to everybody else, you can now put yourself in a position for better opportunities and just better networking in general. And I think that, you know, building relationships and, you know, it goes hand to hand within that. While also interning for the summer media extern, how did you get a feel for the advertising and media? And was there anything that you learned, you know, throughout that internship that may you maybe have applied to the, the workplace now? A lot of that was so originally I was supposed to work uh, for an intern, intern there. Uh, I think it was sort of like in the buy side as far as like digital media, like investment investment for like that marketing firm. Mm-hmm. But once like COVID hit, they canceled like the internship and they offered like the externship sort of like a crash course and sort of like the digital marketing and like media industry. And like, I found it very interesting and I still like made sure that like I saved all the materials so I can look at it. So between that, I somewhat apply it to like lessons I learned as far as like my day to day with like the Liberty as not from like a marketing standpoint, but from the standpoint where I'm constantly putting together like materials, writing, things of that nature. And sort of like trying to like take everything that I've learned. Same with like my majors. None of them really explicitly apply to like my job. Mm-hmm. But the different like little lessons that I've learned in the classroom and like from like those professors from like my, that time, I still try to apply to what I'm doing now on a day-to-day basis. I think just, just hearing that, you know, going into dabbling into different things, you want to be able to become a overall better person. To me, that's what it sounds like. If you're grabbing from this play, if you're grabbing from that, then you're trying to just be able to go in all aspects and not just limit yourself in this one kind of avenue. And that's what I'm gathering from, you know, just hearing, you know, these didn't even apply to your major. Now you're just, you're grabbing different things, grabbing different skills to now become an overall better business partner, person in general, and just, you know, kind of grabbing knowledge from all of these different places. With that being said, would you think that you could be able to run a media or advertise maybe potentially in the future? I definitely see myself wanting to get back in there just because having take, having done that externship, I really enjoyed sort of like the environment, the sort of like work that goes into it, the brainstorming, just like being able to like put together. It honestly reminds me of sort of like working as like in a team. Like, I love that sort of, like, team environment, being able to, like, bounce off, like, people, being able to, like, work towards, like, a collective, like, goal that I love and I can strive in in that kind of environment. Whereas, like, yes, being in finance, like, you do work in teams, but it's, like, a lot more sort of, like, pressured in, like, a negative way. Whereas, like, yeah, you have, like, the pressure of deadlines, but whether it's marketing or whether it's, like, my job now, there's a lot more, like, fun involved in like the day-to-day where in contrast to say like the work hard to like play hard yeah like you can do like when it comes to like the marketing day-to-day or like working like at a team you can do that simultaneously right like there's fun in like that work that's interesting running what do people may not know about running media or advertising that people that may want to go in that uh, avenue what do you think that they should know about that? What they should know about that is that when it comes to like marketing, like digital advertising, it's wide spanning. Like whenever you walk down the street, you're going to run into probably tens, tens of ad, like tons of ads constantly. 
and it's, you're constantly running into it, whether it's like the top of the cab, like whether or not it's like you're scrolling through Instagram and suddenly like you have like that one sort of like, like advertisement that comes up that like was in the algorithm that they gave to you. Whether or not you run, you see like a movie poster at like the, tra the train, train station or like at a bus stop that constantly you're seeing these advertisements and constantly having like those impressions, how much that matters and how much sort of like those slight impressions might influence your desire to say, see this movie, your desire to say like, oh, I'm going to try this product just mm -hmm. because you've seen it so often that you're like, okay, there must be something behind this that it might build that curiosity out of you to go try, try it out. Do you think that might be a psychological thing? Yeah. Oh, know? absolutely. They're, they're absolutely. like a part of our brain that we just see it so often. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. what's, what's the hype about, you know? Like one of my favorite classes was social psychology. And it's like, you get into sort of like these things and it definitely has like a, like a psychological aspect of it. And sort of like being able to influence people because like digital marketing, marketing in general is sort of like you influencing somebody's behavior at the end of the day. Because you see the, you see the social influencer now and you see, you know, a lot of the social influencers buy a lot of the people that, you know, consume their content are buying whatever exactly. they're wearing or it's buying whatever they're wearing or buying whatever product they may be using. And sometimes we don't really understand how much influence another person can have on a product and how much value I'd argue that they can bring to a company now because of social media and, you know, with, within vlogs or just even showing it, like just thinking about it now, I watched the, uh, laugh now, cry later. I watched the music video mm. and the whole, the whole video is literally just a Nike ad. Yeah. It's literally Everything, on the Nike campus. Yeah. It's Nike campus. Everybody that's in that is a Nike athlete. He's got OBJ on there. He's got Kevin Durant. Um, I think Marshawn Lynch is part of that, but he's literally just running a whole Nike ad within that. Yep. And people aren't really subconsciously seeing that and how much probably revenue he brought for that just with that video alone. Cause think about it. Whereas like Drake isn't necessarily an athlete, for example, and like his group, as far as like his support group, as far as like his fans and whatnot, aren't necessarily like athletes or sportive, might just be so very much musically inclined. Mm -hmm. Seeing him openly on like a nike pretty much a nike ad there's which is pretty much like an athletic apparel kind of company right there's like oh like this regular joe schmo or like joe public is like oh i want to go get this stuff because my favorite rapper is fully endorsing this like he clearly like messes with this stuff yeah and i think it to for me some of the stuff that kanye wears is pretty ex, uh pretty absurd i would say um, oh no i fully agree with i saw him at like what the what was like the most recent like award show where they like celebrated like diddy and he just fully showed up <laughs> in like a freaking puffer i'm just like there's no way in hell like that this is, is fashionable where it's is... yeah, wearing a full scheme like you couldn't like if it wasn't kanye like you were told it was kanye you would have no clue if this was kanye mind you if somebody walked around in an airport like that they would immediately get detained yeah abso absolutely and he can <laughs> immediately get detained <laughs> And he wears these high knee boots that he's, you know, worn in, in a couple of videos, a couple of pictures that I've seen on Instagram. And just, I, I don't know, me personally, I'm not, I'm not going to wear that, but I mean, I, I just don't understand. And then people will buy it like, oh. But it's like those real stands for like Kanye. It's like, oh, if he supports this, this must be fashionable. This must be good. And that's sort of like, you get back to like that influence that just, Cause like, you'll see like some random white dude on like a cologne ad mm -hmm. and people will be like, Oh, 
I want to be, I want to be like him. Or even in the commercial, you see a bunch of girls surrounding him. Like I want that. So clearly in order to get that, it's because of the cologne. That's because it's a cologne ad. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just a lot of things that are in media are just very psychological and um, there's more, we could dive into, you know, conversation probably outside of more psychological things. Um, but there's a lot of psychological things that I see and I'm kind of interested about it and how it works like that and, and why it works like that. I have a final three questions for you. Why is growth and becoming a well-rounded individual, why is that so important to you? For me, that is super important to me because given my upbringing, I've learned that it's important to be able to fit in and be able to, in multiple environments, be able to interact with so many different types of people. And I pride myself on being able to do that no matter where I'm at, no matter where you're from, no matter what your like social, like economic status, like I can interact with you, have a conversation with you. And like, at the end of the day, we can be like the best of friends. So I pride myself on being a well-rounded individual. Cause like you were mentioning, you never know who you're really talking to. Right. And you also never really know like, what necessarily like struggles other people are going through because like it's so easy to be able to say like judge sort of like oh they're not really going through any like real like issues or whatnot but people everybody has like their own like struggles and for you being able to like from like a political stamp political like I, like term like walk across that aisle right and be able to understand where somebody is coming from that's going to get you so far as far as like networking relationship building in the future Cause like you'll get older, like when you're younger, they always tell you like everything's like merit based things of that nature. Right. A lot of that's bullshit because <laughs> you'll get, you'll get to these places and you realize a lot of it's about who, you know, and right. how you're able to relationship build and interact with people. Cause like, while you'll be like qualified at the end of the day, for example, I was applying for a job. And although I didn't necessarily get that job because the guy I interviewed with liked me so much and enjoyed that conversation so much. He ended up being one of my mentors and making sh- and referring me to the job I ended up getting mm. just because we clicked on like a very personal level, being able to chat. Cause at the end of the day, like you can be as great at your job, but most people aren't necessarily going to work with people that they can't interact with, that they can't relate with. That, Cause like at the end of the day, you want to be like, okay, you want to enjoy going to work and being around like people you're working with. Cause like being on a team, having that cohesion, having that chemistry, you're going to get a better product out of that. Absolutely. That was, that was a phenomenal answer. I just wanted to, wanted to say that. In terms of working, you know, doing something that you love, why is it so important to you to do something that you love? Because I feel like you're not going to like fully buy into what you're doing if you don't necessarily love it. Because like, for example, like people will do things for very sort of like intrinsic value where it's like money, for example. Like you go, you'll do a job just because you know you're going to get paid highly for that. And like, cool, I respect your hustle. I respect your grind. But at the end of the day, you probably don't look forward to waking up the next day and going to your job. For me, I feel like those things aren't like mutually like exclusive. Like you can have those two things together. And if you can really find something that you'll love, you'll make it so that you can get everything that you can out of it. Interesting. I think my mom always told me that do something that you love rather than doing something that'll bring you six figures, seven figures. Like, you don't want to hate yourself at the end of the day. Like, <laughs> I want to enjoy my life. I agree with that 100%. <laughs> what advice would you give to your younger self? Advice I'd give to my younger self? I would say do a little bit more planning. Because like, you'll realize that a lot of people, like you don't necessarily have to have your entire life plan 
like planned out ahead of you. Mm-hmm. But being a little bit more ahead of the ahead of the game definitely helps as far as like, for example, I just took like my, my first psychology, my full, first psychology class. And if I had known, for example, that way back when, before I transitioned towards sports, I wanted to go to law school and being a GM, I would have ma- I would have majored in psychology as my third major instead of like econ, just because I enjoyed that material so much more. Whereas like, I thought econ was just going to be like a gold mine, like, well, at least my mother did. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'll suffer through this. But whereas like psychology, for example, that was, it, even though it doesn't necessarily seem like the practical major, right? so many aspects of psychology is so applicable to any job that you go into, just being able to understand and communicate with people and understand how people act. That's, damn. We unpacked a lot in this episode, you guys. Justin, I want to thank you for coming out today. I really do appreciate you taking time out your day. Where can the people find you? Of course, of course. Uh, people can find me on Instagram, LinkedIn. I think my Instagram is like the say rivers. My LinkedIn s Justin s dot Justin Rivers. Justin, thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure. Love this. Love the conversation that we had. Got to know a little bit more about you, and just networking in general. I would really argue that this episode is really about networking and relationship building. But thank you for coming on, everybody. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. This is the 1% Podcast. I'm out.